You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. DVRs 30 minutes of darkness. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh my god. If the I signal's out, because it, it DVRs whatever the signal's giving it. If the uh... signal's out, it just DVRs and it says like um it says like the entire program was not recorded due to uh like malfunctions during recording. Enough. So Enough. I've already set it to record. You know, they show basically with the league like the first time it's on, mm-hmm. they only replay it once. They replayed it at like one AM. Okay. So, I've got it set to record at 1 a.m. as well. I just I hope by then maybe it'll stop raining so I can do it. Maybe. maybe. I'm not real happy about this. Oh no! This this is what happens when you trust your life to the to the to the satellite people. Dude, I swear, man. If I could get a, I mean, if I could get HD um, Prism back here, I would do it. But the the uh, the HD doesn't run back to my house. Really? Yeah. I I I just assumed anywhere people had cable, they could get it in high definition. Now that's weird. Nope, I'm too far off the road, man. Um, the HD lines only run to a certain spot. Wow. Huh. Thanks, Prism. Yep. Thanks, Prism. Yep. Wow. How country living is, Ed. I'm sorry. Oh well, it's fine. Yeah. You know who's not fine? Yeah. Who's that, Ed? Arsenal. I thought you were gonna say Sex Ferguson. No. Okay. No, I was not actually. I just thought that's where you were gonna say. It. But all right, that's fine, Ed. Why would Why would I possibly try to bring him out? Why? And he's not coming out tonight. Do you see, did I not tell you how hard it's raining outside? That's true. Sex Ferguson likes many things. The rain is not one of them. Uh, but does he like the A Foreign Affair podcast? He doesn't like soccer. Give me a break. Ah, uh, well, thankfully, other people do, and they're listening to this podcast. Welcome to A Foreign Affair podcast, episode 74. Here, I am Edward Green, joined as always by McCall West Bradshaw on a stormy night here in North Carolina with the rain. Hey y'all! Uh, with the hey, rain. Hey, hey y'all! What's of English Champions League dreams drowning us down here in North Carolina. 
Of course, this podcast is being presented to you by NGSC Sports and NGSCSports.com, where we never stop. We have a big show for you today where we are going to get to talk about Champions League recap, Europa League preview, Premier League recap, people getting in trouble with the law, breaking the law, breaking the law. Uh, and we'll, of course, have your big story of the week. Well, of course, we'll also have then Watch 4 and So Raw. And, of course, with Watch 4... It's the premiere of a lot of our shows that are coming back, so yay! Uh, if you want to get in on the convo with us, you can on the social media. Uh, at Twitter, we are at AFAPod. We are also at West Bradshaw 21 and at Edward Green. Facebook, we are All New Sports Show. That's our sister television show. Instagram, All New Sports Show. YouTube, The All New Sports Show. Email us, allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Finally, mail us your letters and parcels to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201. Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. Wes, are you ready for some Champions League action? Ed, the Champions League action is secondary only to uh, to the comments following the Chelsea and Arsenal matches. Oh, oh, and we will get to those in mere moments. First, we want to get you caught up on everything that happened in a busy week in match week two of the Champions League group stage. Business as usual in Group A, where Paris Saint-Germain went to Shakhtar Donetsk and got a 3-0 win. David Luiz, he doesn't defend very well, but he does score goals. He had one in the 23rd minute. And Real Madrid went to Malmo and got a 2-0 win on the road. Cristiano Ronaldo with a goal in the 29th minute and a penalty in the 90th. Uh, So in that group, Real leads, uh, along with PSG, six points each, Malmo and Shakhtar each have zero, and both those top teams actually yet to concede in Group A. In Group B, you had Manchester United, plucky little Manchester United 2, Wolfsburg 1. The home side saw themselves go down very early on as Daniel Caliguri uh, hit a goal in the fourth minute, but a Juan Mata penalty pulled United level in the 34th, and then Chris Smalling, yes, Chris Smalling, at the winner in the 53rd. And then it was CSKA Moscow with three goals to PSV Eindhoven's two. And what that means is Group B is completely level, Peggy. Everyone has three points. Currently, Eindhoven sit atop with four goals uh, for the good. Uh, in Group C, it was FC Astana to Galatasaray two. And apparently, if you're looking for a team to absolutely hate this year, pick Astana. Apparently, Kazakhstan, very big into human rights abuses. Yay! Maybe one of the shock... That's impossible, Ed. I know, you think... They're the second leading exporter of potassium. Oh, never gets old. It's in the national anthem. The shocker, maybe, of this group stage so far, uh, or at least of today, Atletico Madrid... One, Benfica, two. Uh, Angel Correa got Atletico off to the right foot in the 23rd minute, but Nicolas Gaetan and Gonzalo Juedes uh, gave Benfica the win on the road. Talk about Spanish dominance, Madrid dropping points at home. That means Benfica go top the table with six points, Atletico have three, and Galatasaray and Astana each have one. In Group D, uh, it was Borussia Mönchengladbach, one, 
Manchester City, plucky Manchester City, two. Uh, Lars Stindl uh, had the opener for Borussia, and then Andreas Christensen had an own goal in the 65th, and Sergio Aguero, the coon, took a late penalty in the 90th minute to give City a much-needed three points. Also, Juventus to Sevilla, nil Alvaro Morata with a goal in that one. That means Juventus, while struggling in Italy, have six points to top the table. Sevilla and Manchester City both have three. Borussia, zero points. Group E, these matches were played Tuesday. It was Barcelona 2, Leverkusen 1. Papadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadapadap
guess what? Your next two group matches are both against Bayern Munich. They are in deep, deep, deep trouble. And I I really don't know how they're going to pull themselves out of it. I mean, right now, literally Olympiacos, I mean, unless Arsenal can find a way to get at least one result Mm -hmm. against Bayern, even if they win their last two matches, I mean, literally all Olympiacos or Zagreb need is a win and a draw, and they're going through. I mean, that's the scary part. You think right now Arsenal, because they're down to zero points through two matches, four matches to play, their max is 12. That's all they can get to. You figure Bayern is going to get past 12. They're already at six. So now it's basically a race against Olympiacos and Zagreb, like you were saying. Olympiacos and Zagreb already have three. I mean... I think Bayern need more, or I sorry, I think Arsenal need more than a result in one of the matches against Bayern. I think they absolutely must win one of their next two matches, or they're done. There, there's well, and, no way. Go ahead, and I mean, here's what you think about, you know. Um, oh, let me get back to it. Where is it? Zagreb and Olympiacos. Um, they have not played each other yet. No. So they play twice. Which means somebody's getting either a point or three points, or somebody could get six points, or somebody get you know, or they could both get two points. However, that works. So I mean, really, Arsenal have so put themselves behind the eight ball here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I believe if Arsenal had lost two matches to Bayern and draw one of these matches, people would have said, "All right, whatever, you're getting through." But they've lost the first two matches to the two weaker teams in the uh, in the group. I just, I really do not, I will be absolutely stunned if Arsenal somehow find a way out of this group. Well, and here's here's the nightmare I'm, scenario. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to bury Arsenal at this point. I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I mean, let's say Zagreb, uh, they get Olympiacos at home the next one, and then they go on the road to Olympiacos and back-to-back. If Zagreb, let's say, you know, which is all possible, they get six points from those two matches. They're at nine. If Arsenal then lose the next two, Bayern is at 12. With Zagreb at nine and Arsenal then at zero, they don't have enough matches to get back into third. And they're just fighting, dare I say, they're fighting to get into Europa at that point. And Ed, you've you've just got to wonder... You know, for years, for years, it has always been acceptable at Arsenal. We finish in the top four, we get in the Champions League because, hey, at least we always get to the knockout round. Right. If they suddenly don't even get to the knockout round and they don't win the Premier League this year. Oh, it's finger out. I mean, just when when is enough enough? You know what I mean? I mean, when is... When is accepting mediocrity enough? Now, you know, mediocrity... Relatively. I mean, what is it? God, you know, Liverpool and Tottenham right now, I think would kill for the Arsenal mediocrity. You know what yeah, I mean? That's true. <laughs> but, um, you know, when, when you're, when you're touted as one of the, you know, should be one of the best sides in the world. And the fact that they're sitting on a quarter of a billion pounds mm-hmm. of pure profit that apparently from what everyone says, Wenger has access to whenever he wants it. Yeah. Yet he won't go out, spend it, and improve this squad. Uh, I mean, when, when is enough enough? Well, Arsenal here's fans are sick of this crap. 
you know, it's great to, to get in the Champions League every year. But if, you know, the whole pro, the whole thing with the Champions League is, well, you make the money so you can improve your squad. Yeah. Well, Arsenal has all the money. They just refuse to, it's, well, they, Wenger just refuses to improve his squad. Well, and I think part of that is it, it, it's acceptable to, to keep going to the Champions League with, with the intention or with the knowledge that maybe at least one of these years, and I know they've done it in the past, but not recently, you make a deep run. You know, if, you, if you're Chelsea, you know, even even when you weren't that great a couple years ago, you made a deep run. Hell, I think, didn't David Moyes take Manchester United to the semis of the Champions League? I don't believe they got that far that year. Are, mm, I'll look it up, but I guess I kind of feel like it was like a shock that they did. But anyway, that's the point is Arsenal haven't really made it that far in quite a while, and and and, and I don't think winning FA Cups is enough right now. For, it was it, it was enough. nice. It was nice when it happened. Yeah, it was nice to win the FA Cup because hey, at least you know at least we're back. We've won something now. But the whole deal with them winning the FA Cup was everyone was saying. Well, hopefully this will be a springboard to bigger and better. Mm-hmm. And the only springboard was to do what? Win another FA Cup? I guess. I mean, that's that's all. I mean, that's all they've done. They haven't gotten better. Mm-hmm. You know, all I mean, and really, when you look at it, they didn't. I mean, they didn't go out and improve their team. Yeah, and that's and that's what was going to be my last question to you. Which, by the way, you were correct. They made it. Uh, United made it to the quarterfinals to under Moyes uh, when uh-huh. they lost to Bayern Munich, the same team that Arsenal lost to that year. Um, my question to you is: If you are Arsene Wenger, what do you do with this team right now? Then, uh, I mean, right now, there, I mean, there's nothing you can do at the moment. Obviously, the window's not open. Right. They missed their opportunity during the summer. Well, do they have you to know, go out then and get Lacazette? Do what? Do they have to go then out and get Lacazette in the January market? They might be able to look on Lacazette. Um, you know, the latest rumor is that uh, now Chelsea's in on him. Yeah. Yep. And, well, and, and here, well, here, here's the problem with Lacazette. Well, I wouldn't say problem. Here's the issue with Lacazette. He's playing for Lyon. He's cup tied already. That's true. Fair so point. he's not gonna he's not gonna help you in Europe this year. Now, yes, if they were smart, they would go out and, and get him. But if they had been smart, they would have gone out over the summer. Once again, you've got all this money. You're not buying a bunch of players. Yeah. Why not drop 40 or 50 million pounds on a star striker? I'm, Why I'm, not go get Lacazette or the, or, the che, or the Arsenal pipe dream, which is Kareem Benzema? I'm still somewhat stunned they didn't get him this summer. And I mean, the thing is, is... It all it always comes down to money. We don't want to spend this, but you've got so much. Yeah. Have, have they not? And here's part one of the problems with Arson. They haven't realized that to get superstar guys who can change your fortunes. Guess what? You have to overpay ninety percent of the time. You have to overpay for that player. Yeah. See, you know, Raheem unless Sterling. you're Liverpool. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, unless you're Liverpool, and you know. You get um, you get Suarez for twenty million mm-hmm. because at that time, see here's here's the difference with Suarez. Yeah, Suarez baggage. came in as a good striker. Well, he came in as a good striker, and then he just he took the next step at Liverpool, right, and became a world class striker. But he didn't come in as one. 
But if you want to go out and immediately get a world-class player, you're going to have to spend the money. Is the market inflated? Absolutely. Is it inflated on you because you're an English team and everyone knows you have the money? Absolutely. I mean, how the hell do you think Liverpool keeps overpaying for all these guys? Everyone knows they've got money and they're willing to spend it. But sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. You know, um, and and Wenger, Wenger just refuses to do it. Yeah. And I just, I mean, it could all change. I mean, God, they could beat Munich twice. They could win the group. They could go and win the Champions League, win the Premier League, do the double. They could do it all. I mean, I think they've got the players to do it. Mm-hmm. But right now, I think you can pretty pretty certainly say they're not getting out. They're not going to win Europe. Um, are they going to win the Premier League? Most likely not. But yeah, there's still a chance for that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, how long do you stick with Arsene Wenger feeding you the same line every year? Yeah, it's tough. It's going to be very tough. To see, uh, to see if they can climb out of this hole. We saw City climb out of a, a somewhat less desperate hole last year to advance miraculously to the knockout stage. We'll see if Arsenal can pull a miracle out of their hats. Um, speaking of Manchester City, a plucky win over in Group D, Wes, uh, that saw them come back from a goal down. This was, of course, uh, after their first Champions League match against Juventus, uh, which saw them score first and then give up to at the Etihad. This time they go on the road, and a, a very resolute win for them where they were able to come back from being a goal down. I'm going to bury them when we talk about their Premier League match against Spurs uh, in an upcoming part of this podcast. But I think we also have to give a little bit of credit for City here. This is, again, a team that could have packed it in here against Mönchengladbach, and they didn't. They came back and got a win that, to be frank, they should beat Mönchengladbach. But going a goal down, this is something we haven't really seen from City a lot. No, and I'm actually, this is actually the match I have on my television right now mm-hmm. is uh, Mönchengladbach and, uh, and City. Uh, you know, it, two, three weeks ago, of course, I was calling City the world beaters. Oh, yeah, they were. And, of course, as soon as I said it, they have gone <laughs> to the tank, both domestically and European. But um, <clears throat> you're right, they were very fortunate to come out today, Mönchengladbach. May have outplayed them. (laughs) Um, From what I'm watching right now, I've been much more impressed with Munch and Gladbach than I have uh, Cite. Um, But it's just, I don't know what's wrong with this team. I mean, one thing, uh, Vonsong Company has gone out injured, and really, since he's gone out, they have not been the same. Mm hmm. I think they miss his leadership. They miss his toughness at the back. Oh, yeah. Um, so that they haven't looked the same. Of course, we'll get more into the league. Of course, Joe Hart missing the match against Spurs. That was not a help. When you're missing company and Joe Hart, mm-hmm. that certainly is not good for your defensive effort. Um, but right now, I, I almost wonder if all that early season talk that City were going to run away with the league, I wonder if that – maybe just wore on them a little bit or got those heads so blown up. And, 
you know, right now without company, they are without their great leader, mm-hmm. that guy who kind of held everybody together. And I mean, they they were lucky to get the win today. Let's see how that form carries over into the league mm-hmm. because uh, they are they are under a lot of scrutiny right now. I don't disagree with that at all, especially when you consider that uh, Joe Hart back in the lineup, as you said, actually saved a penalty uh, in about the first 20 minutes against Monson Gladbach today. And, I mean, if that if that goes in, uh, I mean, that, that could have also turned around the game. Even though Monson Gladbach eventually took the lead uh, in the 54th minute to score a goal that early could have even been a bigger uh, detriment to City, and maybe that would have been a punch they could not have recovered from, but they do, and they pick up an important three points on the road. Uh, Wes, let's let's end. We don't, I don't think, need to talk too much about United, so let's end our Champions League talk with Chelsea's loss at Porto. Uh, <laughs> this is this is a team that that has struggled this year. Currently, only 14th in the Prem. Uh, Josie Mourinho, the special one, making his return to where he made a name for himself. But once again, Wes, no John Terry in the starting lineup. Didn't even see the field. Uh, so it looks like right now, uh, Kurt Zuma and Gary Cahill are uh, Josie Mourinho's preferred center backs. Uh, Willian does add another goal. He even played Diego Costa. But, I mean, this has been a trying week for Mourinho, who escapes FA punishment for potentially uh, sexual harassment of Lady Physio Eva Carina. Um, I don't know if I actually just said her right there. I apologize if I mangled her name. Uh, as well as, you know, just just uh, a quote that you mentioned to me about him saying that if he had 11 Diego Costas, they would never win. So it's. Well, it's and, and by the way, did, did you see all of that? All I, of that quote? I was not able to find it, unfortunately. Okay. <clears throat> the, the way that was taken, that was put. When I told it to you, I had not seen the entire quote. Uh-huh. Um, the way he put it was, uh, if he had 11 Diego Costas, there would be no way he could win a match because everyone is out to get Diego Costa and they would all be sent off. Ah, uh, here I was. I thought Josie had a moment of clarity. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it goes more into the conspiracy theory against Costa. So let's not give Josie that kind of a uh, pass quite yet. Um, but with everything else uh, swirling about Chelsea, not not the kind of season that a a one intrepid reporter who asked Josie Mourinho about this in a little town called Charlotte over the summer, this this might have been what that intrepid reporter was referring to as this kind of champions hangover. And do you remember how you were brusquely shrugged off? Yeah, they kind of do. How, how Josie told you there would be no hangover because were, his players are champions. Yeah. They know how to win. Well, you know, right now this is a Chelsea team that is in shambles. You know, they were they were able to at least get a point over the weekend God. in the league. Barely. But, uh, yeah, barely. I mean, they had to scrape for that. Um, it, it was... It was very sobering to watch Chelsea play right now because, uh, you, you know, the thing is, it's not that they're missing guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got Ed Hazard is playing. He just stinks this year. Yeah. Um, you know, Diego Costa played. I think right now Diego Costa is playing with such a black cloud over his head. Mm-hmm. 
that I, I think I think he could actually implode on himself. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Just because I mean he's already somewhat of a head case. Mm-hmm. But the great thing about Costa, when Costa is able to take his rage and combine it with his talent, mm-hmm. he can do great, amazing things. But the problem is when he can't get the game to go along with the rage, then he's just then he's just mad and out of control. Right. And and he's more of a liability than anything. And um, you know, we're seeing more of that from Diego Costa this year. My boy, the bat in the Manjavidic, who for years I've said is the best central def- or, uh, defensive midfielder in the world. He is definitely, he seems like he's really off the pace this year. Um, Kurt Zuma has all the talent in the world, but I think right now with all the, everything going on at Chelsea, I don't think he's in the best position to succeed right now. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's just uh, it's a it's a tough go of it right now for Chelsea, and Chelsea once again not to say that they can't get it turned around, but it, it is just it's looking very very difficult for Chelsea right now. Where most of the time last season they made it look very easy. You're right, and I guess the question is, should Mourinho go? Back to Terry. I mean, Terry, let's be honest, did not look that good in the early goings on this season. But it looks like you would think maybe somewhat like company, he might be able to give some stability back there. I, I don't know if, you know, maybe he just had a one-year career resurgence. But but I would wonder if, you know, maybe maybe throwing him back out in the League Cup game just to see how he is. Because right now, if you're Mourinho, I think you have to do something because he built this team on defense. And right now they are just being porous in the back. Well, and almost maybe if you played Terry in Europe and wanted to play Zuma in the league, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I just, I mean, yes, John Terry has not been great. We understand it, but I, I don't see how you can just suddenly completely drop John Terry. Well, and I liked him. The guy I liked who him. you, the guy who, you know, he's, He's Mourinho's boy. He's been Mourinho's boy ever since the first go around. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I can't see how you could just completely drop him and almost not even consider playing him at this point. When especially when the wheels are starting to come off for you, and maybe you trade a little bit of that youthful pace of Zuma, you know that youthful. And here's it: Zuma's just a beast. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but maybe, you know, sometimes being a beast isn't all it's cracked up to be. Sometimes it takes the old head to come in and kind of put the train back on the tracks. Well, and I didn't mind him playing Zuma against Arsenal, where you are playing against a faster team. When, you, when you're playing against so, clubs with elite pace, okay, I, I, and I, nothing against Porto, but I think this would have been a match maybe to bring in Terry, where you, you might not need that sort of uh, of elite pace to, to really get it. And they do have good plays. You know, they have guys like Brahimi and Maikon, as we mentioned, and Martin Zindi. But I, I just feel like you, you have to go with experience, especially in the Champions League. And I just, I, I'm not, I'm, I would never be one to question Jose Mourinho. But, just saying. Why well, would you? I will, I would. I. You're nuts. <clears throat> uh, also, out of this game, one of the big stories, uh, um, um. Oh my God, the goalkeeper, uh, Begovic, Casi- Begovic? Iker Casillas. Oh, that one. 
uh, Iger Casillas' 152nd uh, appearance in the Champions League. Wow, uh, that is a that's a new record uh, for most Champions League appearances. And that's crazy, especially when you actually sit back and think. You know, of course, the world is so down on Iker Casillas; it's all doom and gloom. He's seriously only like 33 or 34 years old. Well, and not just that, but if you think about, it, you said 156, 152. 152. So if you think about it, you're in the group stage, you get six matches. You get maybe mm-hmm. two, four, six. You If you go all the way to the finals, you get seven more matches. So you think 13 matches if your team goes all uh-huh. the way into the finals. So that's still over 12 years if your team goes to the finals every single year. So that's that's insane. Well, and I, I want to say that he made his Champions League debut at 18. And also, don't forget, you know, also throw another thing in. This is a guy, it wasn't like they were playing qualifiers to, yeah. to boost this. Oh, yeah. This guy was the keeper at Real Madrid. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and there's your reason, you know, Real Madrid on a terrible season, a terrible European campaign, Madrid goes to the quarterfinals. Yeah. A ho hum campaign, they go to the semifinals. So you know, he he was getting the chance to play all of these matches, and even in the last few years where they were rotating goalkeepers, he was always the European goaltender. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, congratulations, Iker Casillas. I've always been a big Iker Casillas fan. Um, okay, two World Cups, European Championship, multiple Champions Leagues, and a smoking hot Spanish girlfriend. So you know, he's, okay. he's doing well. He is doing well but, uh, at Porto. Not not too shabby over in at, Portugal. Well, well, at Porto, and and he defeats the guy who initially benched him. So, yay! Revenge is always great against Mourinho. Uh, so anyway, uh, next Champions League sets of matches will be taking place late October. So we'll be checking back in then. Of course, we would be remiss if we didn't give a Europa League preview. Which is what we do because every time the Champions League is on Tuesday and Wednesday, it's European nights on Europa on Thursdays. Uh, Liverpool will be hosting the Swiss side Scion, while Tottenham travel to our favorite principality, Monaco, to take on that side. Uh, Wes, how, how do you feel? Quick preview of the match against Scion. Um, I, I'm, I feel confident. Um... I believe maybe the Reds got a little bit of swagger back over the weekend with the win over Aston Villa. Uh, it has been said Daniel Sturridge will not be playing in this match. Uh, they're definitely going to be saving him for the Merseyside Derby coming up on the weekend. I would expect to see Danny Ings in there, mm-hmm. and that's that's been a good thing lately for Liverpool yeah. to see old number 28 out there. Yeah. Um, Ings is looking a very astute signing at this point. Yes. Uh, still haven't agreed on that uh, on that fee with Burnley yet. Uh, that's set to go to a tribunal. But um, I mean, shoot, if if you end up throwing eight million for Danny Ings, and he ends up basically as our third striker, and you know is has been a pretty important player in every match he's played. That's good business. Hey, <laughs> that's very good business. What did you say about uh, overpaying? There you go. See, we didn't have to overpay for Danny Ings. We were paid for Benteke, but you know, that was proven was proven quality. We needed that. Yes. Um, but I, I feel confident 
in Liverpool with Sion coming. Um, I, I believe Sion, even though they do sit top of the group, they had kind of a shock win to start the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I feel at Anfield, I just feel very confident in Liverpool. And, um, yeah, I'll be ready to eat my hat next week. So That'll be fine. Uh, and, of course, I feel about the same way uh, with Monaco, although I do have to laugh right here as I have the uh, ESPN uh, FC browser window open. One of these stories on the tab to the left here is a video uh, where the headline is, Pochettino, all competitions are important for Spurs. Yeah, that's what he's supposed to say. That's what he's paid to say. I agree. And as we saw in the League Cup match, that is nowhere near true. I agree. <laughs> well, the League Cup wasn't important. So. It's, it's, it, it was... It, all real competitions are important. I guess. The, the League Cup was important until we lost it, and then I was like, "No, I'm, I'm just kidding." Well, well just uh, wait, wait till you get in the FA Cup and see what happens. Oh God, I don't even want to think about the FA Cup. Um, but that does that let us dovetail nicely into a Premier League recap, um, where we had a very interesting week. Only two teams. Failed to score on the weekend. Three days of fantastic football. Starting with Liverpool, they strike within a minute as it was proving to everybody it's James Milner time. Sturridge added a brace in the second half to survive Aston Villa goals, a pair of them, from Rudy Gestead. Liverpool survived Tim Sherwood's Aston Villa side 3-2 at Anfield. It was a day at the races for Arsenal at the KP Stadium against Leicester. Jamie Vardy, he just on fire to start this campaign. He started the scoring, but an Arsenal counter led to a Theo Walcott. It's Theo's team now. He's scoring in all comps. Uh, Alexis Sanchez hat trick got the winner for Arsenal. Vardy brought it back to 4 2 in the closing minutes, but Olivier Giroud, hey, he's a striker allegedly. Uh, he ended the scoring in the final seconds to make it Leicester 2, Arsenal 5. Uh, Robbie Grady took advantage of a Mark Noble mistake to take the lead for Norwich in their match against West Ham, but Diafrasaku equalized for the Hammers in the first half. Norwich looked to win it with a Nathan Redmond super sub goal in the 83rd minute, but Andre Quiote equalized in the final minute, the final minute at the death on a howler by keeper John Ruddy. West Ham leveled Norwich 2-2 at home. Uh, Spurs ran rampant over Manchester City. After having a slow start where Kevin De Bruyne made it 1-0 on a Citizens counterattack. But Eric Dyer leveled the scoring, allegedly, just before the half. Then goals by Toby Alderweireld, Harry Kane, allegedly, and Lamella, hilariously, gave Spurs the plaudits and the points. It was Tottenham 4, Manchester City 1. United took the express lane to the top on a 1-2-3 goal between Blind, Mata, and Depay at the end of the first half. And Rooney... Sure, we'll give that goal to him at the start of the second. Mata finished it off with the third on a kind redirect in the closing minutes. Manchester United beat Sunderland 3-0. Terrible news for AFC Bournemouth. Callum Wilson went down in the first 15 minutes of their match against Stoke. He will be out for, I believe, six months with a leg injury. Jonathan Walters sent the cherries down for Stoke uh, a goal 32 minutes in. Dan Gosling put in a bouncing ball in the box to level within 15 to play. Thought they were going to get a leveler, 
and a point. But Glenn Johnson, yes, that Glenn Johnson, had a cross to Mamadad Youth a few minutes later to get sexy, sexy Stoke a win at the Britannia. It was Stoke 2, AFC Bournemouth 1. Uh, we had Southampton, Swansea were 10 minutes in. Virgil van Dijk headed in a corner for the Saints, and Dusan Tadic beat Lucas Fabianski in the second half, followed by a Sadio Mane goal to make it 3-0 for the Saints in the 60th minute. Goofy Sigurdsson had a penalty strike for Swansea, and that was all the goals Swansea would get as they lost to Southampton 3-1. Uh, Newcastle scored two at St. James Park on the back of Jose Perez in the first, and Wijnaldum in the second on a corner. They had the defending champions exactly where they wanted them. Josie Mourinho never wins at Newcastle, but Ellen Pardew's not there anymore. And Ramirez pounded one in on a howitzer in the 77th minute. And Willian had like his 800th free kick goal in a row uh, to level it in the 85th minute for Chelsea. Chelsea looked the better team in the closing minutes, but they leave with the draws. It was Newcastle 2, Chelsea 2. As for Watford, Crystal Palace, both teams missed chances in the first half. But Wilfred Zaha was fouled in the box in the second half. And the Frenchman, Johan Caballé, put it in. Palace gets the points. It was, it was Watford nil, Crystal Palace won. Finally, Monday Night Football. West Brom went up 2-0 early in the second half on a corner, but a brace from Romelu Lukaku bookended a goal from Kone with the winner from Lukaku coming in the six-yard box in the 83rd minute. It was West Brom 2, Everton 3. West, let us go back to Anfield to recap and get your thoughts on Liverpool 3, Villa 2. Brendan Rodgers, he saves his job for another week. Yeah! Excitement! Yeah! And now it's right back on the line against FC Sion, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I disagree with that, by the way. I, I, I don't think uh, Europa would be what would kill Brendan Rodgers. Uh, no, he has a much bigger match in mind. It's called Sunday, the Merseyside yes. Derby. That is going to be the make or break for Brendan Rodgers' uh, Liverpool tenure. Um, so he really needs to win that one. Uh, as far as Villa, you know, A, the return of Daniel Sturridge. Of course, he was back the week before, but this was uh, the first time you expected Sturridge to come out and play the majority of the match. Uh, you know, I spoke last week about you got to knock a little bit of the rust off. Rust is off. Daniel Sturridge looked fantastic. He had the brace. Um, Milner scores in the opening minute. Uh, Gestead makes it very interesting. Yes. Uh, we, we may be, we may be quickly, quickly climbing back to our keeper controversy level at Liverpool, <laughs> but... Liverpool do get the win, and it was a win they desperately, desperately needed. Uh, of course, there were that there was that pocket of fans um, who were hoping Liverpool would go ahead and lose humiliatingly, so we could uh, have a good reason to fire Brendan Rodgers. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I just I can't pull against my team. Yep. Uh, I, I remember a few years ago when Bobby Valentine was the manager of the Red Sox. And <laughs> yeah. You remember as well. And it was such a miserable season. God, it was. And I believe we actually got to a point late in that season where we were, sadly, we were actually pulling against the Red Sox, hoping uh, hoping that if they were just bad enough, they would get rid of yes. Bobby Valentine. Hey, it worked. And we it won did. the World Series. So, yeah. Yeah, so it must have worked out. But um, 
you know, it was an impressive win. As I say, you know, lately I have not thought Brendan Rogers' um, tactics were bad. It was just, you know, the week before um, in the Norwich match, they should have won that match. The tactics were fine. They just, you know, when the players won't put opportunities away, I just don't understand, once again, how you can blame that on the manager. Right. Um, but this week, you know, they had a sharpness to them. Sturge, as I said, Sturge looked fantastic. Alberto Moreno, um, best thing Rodgers ever did maybe for Alberto Moreno was uh, to bench him early in the season because he has come out playing like a man on fire. He's been fantastic down there off the wing, once again creating opportunities and even tracking back and playing a little bit of defense. Oh, my. Liverpool seemed to have reverted to that uh, three at the back look um, that, that they had a lot of success with in the middle portion of the season last year. Mm-hmm. I think it's tweaked a little bit as they're playing a little more like with three up front mm-hmm. um, instead of the two up front and dropping one. Um, so it's kind of a 3-4-3. Three, three. Oh, okay. And it, they've had some success with it. Like we said, they're getting down the they're getting down the channels. You know, they're doing some really good things. It's just the biggest thing for Liverpool is going to be to continue keeping it up here. Um, their next two Premier League matches are the Merseyside Derby. Then we have the international break, and then they come right back and they take on a Tottenham team who right now is obviously among the hottest in the Premier League. Um, and then it doesn't get much easier after that, I believe. Or after that, they've got Crystal Palace, Chelsea, and City somewhere with maybe another match thrown in there somewhere. I don't have the schedule up in front of me, unfortunately. I can but, pull um, it's it's going to be – October is not going to be a simple month for Liverpool. And um, for Rodgers, I, I believe if they can go out, they can beat Everton – I believe if they can come back and get a good result against Tottenham, that will take some heat off of them because, you know, you can't turn around and fire a guy for losing 1-0 at Manchester City mm-hmm. uh, if he's been doing pretty well before then. So for Rodgers, he's got to build up some goodwill because end of October, beginning of November, he's got a couple of brutal matches in there. Here's, here's the upcoming schedule, and you're right. It is... It's not great. Uh, as you say, they, they get Scion tomorrow, or today if you're already listening to this podcast, at Everton for the Merseyside Derby, at Tottenham. Uh, then they, they are home for the Europa League match against FK Rubin, home for Southampton, home for Bournemouth in the League Cup uh, just a few days later. Of course, of course, Bournemouth might be out for a little bit of revenge after feeling hard done in their last meeting. Then it's three days after that, it's on the road to Chelsea, then it'll be on the road to FK Rubin, uh, and then Palace at home, at uh, to the Etihad for City, home for Bordeaux in Europa, home for Swansea. And that's that's the end of November. Yeah. yeah. Needless to say, it's um it's 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 not gonna be easy going of it. The one thing in that Bournemouth match, Bournemouth could be in a go for a they could be in up for a tough go. Their uh, star striker, Callum Wilson, going to be out for six months. Yes, after as we a, mentioned, uh, the ruptured knee ligament. Yes. So, um, you know, that could be a silver lining for Liverpool with Bournemouth. But it's not an easy road. But you know, the thing is, Ed, 
And we says four, you know, Liverpool have good players. You know, yes, they don't have the strength of depth as a City or a Chelsea or an Arsenal should, or even what United have. Liverpool have good players. If Liverpool, and Liverpool have shown in the past, if they go out and just, you know, if they play up to or even a little above their potential, they can hang and beat anyone in the league. Um, the thing is, if Liverpool can get themselves on a little bit of a roll, I think they can get through this upcoming portion of the schedule. I think they can get through it pretty decently. But if they, let's say they lose the Merseyside Derby, and then they come back and lose the Spurs, it could uh, it could fall apart and it could fall apart quick. Well, here's my question, then, and we'll kind of wrap up our Liverpool discussion on this. With that schedule in place, unless it's Jurgen Klopp walking through that door, how can you expect, if you get rid of Rodgers, how could you expect almost anyone else to come in, maybe even Klopp included, and and, and have results right away? We see that a lot with managers who are brought in in the middle of the season and, and we're made to expect, well, the last guy wasn't doing it with this guy with the same players. Now this guy has to somehow turn it around. I, would it would it be good for Liverpool to fire Rodgers in what the middle of what would be a incredibly brutal stretch of matches? No, and I don't think that would be an intelligent choice. Um, but once again, you know, football it's a very reactive game. Yes. Um, the one thing Rod, I'm going to tell you the one thing Brendan Rogers has going for him. And, and you know, for most English fans hate this <laughs> is the fact that he has an American owner yes, who owns another major sports franchise and not only a major sports franchise, but one that it's, you know, there are so many similarities between Boston, the city and Liverpool, the city. One of them is that um, the media and the fan base can be absolutely crushing. Yes, yes. When they, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a big city with sort of a small town feel to it. Everyone knows everybody. You know, everyone knows where you go and eat lunch. Um, you know, everything they see is made a big deal. The media can be absolutely harrowing. And pressure can build very quickly. One thing, uh, John W. Henry, the rest of the gentlemen from Fenway Sports Group, you know, we we just mentioned the whole Bobby Valentine thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there was ever if there was ever the perfect opportunity to fire a human being, um, very early in the season, it was Bobby Valentine. And what they do, they stuck with him for the entire season. Mm-hmm. I don't believe I don't believe we fired him before the season was over, did no. we? No. No, he, now he was fired after the season. Yes, immediately. But, you know, I think even that year the Red Sox were like, you know, well, and this is kind of what I may be wondering with Liverpool's thinking is, you know, you know go back to those Red Sox, Ed. We knew early on that they had John Farrell targeted. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they saw the necessity to fire Bobby Valentine in August and bring someone else in for two months. Yeah. You know, they knew they had a plan. They knew what they wanted to do. Now, football's a little different. And and also the fact is it is very early in the season. And the other fact is there are two very high caliber managers that are basically sitting out on the free agent market. 
which in baseball, that's, you know, that's not usually true. Um, I've just got to believe if Liverpool are going to make an in-season move, I don't believe it'll be until around Christmas. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just, I, I think they're going to give him at least half the season. You know, we get to December, evaluate where Liverpool is. And then if they deem that it is time, we can't wait any longer. We've got to go out and make a, make a move. Well, you know, that's giving them all this time to talk to Klopp, to talk to Ancelotti or whoever else they may have in mind. And then you don't make the, and then you make the move. I, I don't think Liverpool make a knee jerk reaction truly just based on one or two matches. Yeah. So we will see uh, come Merseyside on Sunday, or it's an early Sunday morning game. We'll be giving you your uh, schedule in just a bit. Yeah, great. Can't wait for that. Yeah. Um, Let's now move over to White Hart Lane, where the sun was shining as Harry Kane got his Premier League drought over and done with. He scored a goal. Maybe he was a little offsides. Maybe uh, Kyle Walker was a little offsides before Eric Dyer's goal. But still, even if you erase those goals, and by the way, you'd have to erase Kevin De Bruyne's goal because he was also offsides, Tottenham still win 2-0. So yay for that. Um, Great performance by Spurs. Uh, Eric Lamella finally gets a goal. And again, as I kind of alluded to in the rundown, in the most hilarious way possible, basically making Willie Caballero <laughs> look foolish multiple times. Um, you have... Uh, Caballero looked like a mixture of uh, Phil Jones and David Hasselhoff uh, crawling around on the floor. Crazy. <laughs> I love that. Crazy Willie Caballero also got caught out on a Toby's header in the second half that started the scoring uh, in the second half for Spurs. You know, I, Craig Nickel over at uh, ESPN FC tried to posit that, you know, City didn't deserve to lose because of all the offsides calls and blah, blah, blah. And, like, while that may be true in a sense that the calls were missed, if you go back to the uh, the dire goal that leveled it, Kevin De Bruyne could have completely cleared that. Eric Dyer never gets a shot, and City still go into the half up 1-0. I mean, City had their chances. They didn't take them. Spurs had their chances, and for once, they took them. This is, you know, along with the the uh, Spurs 5, Chelsea 3 win on New Year's Day, this is now two big wins for a team that over the last couple of years had really struggled against the top four and still do a little bit to a certain extent. But City had owned Tottenham the last couple of years. This is a huge win for Spurs. And it gets people going on the right foot. It gets Lamella off the schneid. It gets Harry Kane off the schneid. And at this point... They look like they love playing with each other. I'm just so excited about this squad right now. I know it could all come crashing down against uh, Swansea this weekend. And hell, we still have a Europa League match to play. But I just, as a supporter... Real quick, are you you saying that Spurs are playing like 11 best friends? They are 11 best friends. They're not playing like 11 best friends. They are 11 best friends. Uh, they, They are really fun. Even even the guys that came off the bench... Clinton uh, had the assist, or well, I guess if you can call it an assist, on Lamella's goal. Lamella had to do so much work, he may not get credit for an assist. But, uh, I mean, his pass in to find Lamella was great, and to control the ball from where he got it from, he looked good. Son has been a revelaton. I hope he's healthy. Uh, he's going to sit out, a, I think, at least this Europa League match, 
with a foot injury he suffered against the citizens. But overall, I just... I know the results won't always be there with this team, but with these young kids coming out, with Delia Lee looking really good, Ryan Mason, Nabil Bentaleb still gets a comeback from injury. I, I'm having trouble seeing the dark side of Spurs right now. And as like I said, I know the results won't always be there, but the future, as long as they can keep this squad intact, looks very very bright for Spurs, and this is a result. Maybe not a big result, but this is a, a thing maybe we will start to see more of a consistent base of at White Hart Lane. Um, <clears throat> big thing for Spurs is just, you know, right now their confidence is absolutely riding high. Um, they seem to not be quite so Spursy <laughs> at yeah. the moment. Um, they are playing well and they're finding a formula. Harry Kane getting off the schneid. I'm not going to lie to you. If Harry Kane had been any further away, he would have missed that shot Yes, <laughs> because it was arcing high and going wild. Oh yeah. Uh, so not, not, not what you would call a classic striker strike, but Hey, you know what? Great strikers find a way to put the ball in the back of the net. And that's what Harry Kane did. Um, for Tottenham, I mean, it's all going to come down to, you know, for them, I think the next couple of games are super, super important for mm-hmm. them. You know, A, as you said, Swansea, who Swansea's been struggling a bit of late, but they yeah. got off to a blistering hot start. And then Ed, once again, after the, uh, international break, the, the, uh, the all new sports show Derby, oh, yes. Liverpool and Tottenham. And what's so big about that? A, you know, those two are going to be battling for that fourth spot anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, Liverpool have a straight have a run of big wins over Tottenham yeah. going back the last few years. Uh, last year, as you know, you and I, we we will talk a little smack to each other, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I've I've had the upper hand of it the last few years. But as I jokingly sent to you last year, well, at least this year you only lost by one. <laughs> Yes. Um, but what you did see, that, that was that was some, you know, closure on it. It wasn't a three or four goal loss. Um, and if Tottenham have really learned their lessons and they're really hitting the notes they should be, this may be the year. I mean, if they can beat Swansea and then turn around and beat Liverpool, who have been such a thorn in their sides, mm-hmm. you know, th- th- that could really set them off running going through the rest of the calendar year. And that's what I think, you know, uh, Liverpool kind of right now is is a lot like City was for Spurs. I mean, this wasn't a a City side that was, you know, just kind of scraping by and beating Spurs. I mean, this was routinely 4-1, 5-1, 5-2 losses last season. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden now Spurs have a huge win against City. I think is, is really, really important for them. And and that's what I, I like to see going forward. As you mentioned, you know, Spurs that that match at I believe that was at Anfield last year, where you know who, who would score the goal to win the game? It would be Mario Balotelli's like only goal he ever scored for Liverpool. So <coughs> only that's right, only only league goal he ever scored for Liverpool. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's coming back, and I, I really feel good about it. Eriksson looked good coming back, uh, having his first Premier League start. Not quite linking up as well with Harry Kane, but that's, I'm sure, going to get ironed out as both of them get a run of play. So, 
Heady times for Spurs. Let's see if they can keep it up. Um, Wes, we, we have talked about them a little bit already, uh, but I don't know how much you saw of the Newcastle-Chelsea match on Saturday. Uh, excuse me, that was the 12-30 game. Uh, and I, I watched a lot of that while straightening up around the house. Until Ramirez's strike that got it back to 2-1, Chelsea looked, quite frankly, a shell of their former selves. And after that point, they looked like they could win by a goal or maybe even two. But still, this they should be able to, even, even with their struggles, they should be able to go on the road and beat a Newcastle side who has struggled mightily in the Premier League. Did, did we? No, that said, uh, St. James Park has been a house of horrors for Chelsea. Ever, I, I don't, God, I don't think. Um, I want to say Mourinho's actually never won there in the Premier League. Yes, and, and at least in the last two years he didn't. And that, although that was, of I course, don't know if he ever did. I don't know that, if he ever won there in the Premier League. Um, so that's a tough place for them to go play. And that was last year where their actual uh, their undefeated run to start the season came to an end. It was one of uh, Pardew's last victories as Newcastle boss. Um, but So this is a bit of a different Newcastle side. And still, they managed to look very good uh, until right there at the end where it was almost like Chelsea just kind of flipped a switch and then they were old Chelsea again. They were, you know, Ramirez coming on. Ramirez is kind of a really... Um, underrated player for Chelsea, but Ramirez gives them. Ramirez is, is somewhat like Jordan Henderson is for Liverpool uh-huh. in that he give he comes in and he plays with so much energy, and and also you know a little different than Henderson. He's he's proper hard. Oh yeah, I mean Ramirez is, Ramirez is one of those Brazilians who he's not your typical Jago Bonita. Brazilian, he's your, I'm going to rip the jog and beat the shit out of you with your own Benita. <laughs> um, you know, he's he's tough as shit, man. And when he went in there, you know, first he got the big goal, and then he kind of phantom deep the keeper yes. for the second goal. Mm-hmm. But he was active, and it just seemed like his energy energized the rest of the Chelsea squad at the time. Oh, and, and that's... Is is that something that needs to go forward? Does does Ramirez need to have a bigger role maybe for for Chelsea going forward? We talk about maybe getting Cahill back into the lineup some over Zuma. Is is Ramirez someone who needs to step up and play a bigger role? Well, now here's here's the thing. Remember this as well. Ramirez has been in Chelsea for a long time. Mm-hmm. There is a reason that Ramirez doesn't play mm-hmm. every minute of every match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because Ramirez is not, he's not a great offensive player. Uh, Ramirez can be very erratic from game to game. That is true. Um, he is somewhat more suited as a super sub, you know, or if you're playing like a big, strong striker against Chelsea, you know, he might be someone they bring in for some added physicality. Um, but with Ramirez, he's just one of those guys you never kind of know what you're going to get. Are you going to get great Ramirez, which was the other day? You know, that's the the Ramirez you saw against Newcastle in his cameo. That's the Ramirez who's gotten called up to the Brazil squad before. Mm-hmm. 
the problem is most of the time you get Ramirez and it's the guy who, you know, Chelsea fans are like, please God, just sell him to, just sell him to Sunderland or something. Do something with this guy. Right. Well, that's, that's but, uh, something uh, Josie's going to have to think about uh, as they go forward here in their Premier League. And we'll get you the full Premier League slate for this weekend. And fans, you, you need to savor it because we're about to head into another international break. Darn. Darn those international breaks. Uh, but this Saturday, 7.45 a.m., Crystal Palace hosts West Brom. Uh, Bournemouth gets Watford in a battle of promoted teams. Aston Villa gets Stoke at 10 a.m., uh, Manchester City looks to get back to winning ways against Newcastle. Norwich versus Leicester in a battle of cities. Sunderland hosts West Ham. And at 12.30, Chelsea takes on Southampton. That could be an interesting match for both clubs, actually. And on Sunday, 8.30 a.m. is Merseyside. 11 a.m., Arsenal versus Manchester United. That's a huge match as well. And also at 11 a.m., Swansea versus Tottenham. So, West Sunday an absolutely gigantic day of football in those three matches. Absolutely. And of course I'm going to be up early, which I'm not going to be happy about. I'm going to be even less happy if, uh, if something does not go right for the pool. But uh, of course, if you win, like I did last week against city, when we played at seven forty-five, your whole day is just better. Exactly. If we don't, that means I'm going to be up all day with yeah. my nagging children. Yeah. My uh, my nagging wife, oh boy. who will become nagging if Liverpool lose, oh, uh, and and then of course Sunday night, you know we we'll be we'll be out late doing the sports show Saturday, Sunday night. Mm-hmm. So there's no rest for the weary if you lose that match. Oh, those naggers! Uh, looking at the table here for the Premier League, uh, Manchester United, as we said, is now atop. They have 16 points. City is now in second with 15. West Ham and Arsenal have 13. Everton, Tottenham, and Crystal Palace and Leicester all have 12 points. Liverpool just behind with 11. At the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone. Stoke right now is out of it. They're in 17th place with 6 points. Villa is in 17th with 4. Newcastle is in 19th with 3. And Sunderland is in last place with just 2 points through 7 matches. And just real quick, Wes... Really, to touch on Newcastle, now you see where that can come back to haunt you at the end of a Premier League season when you're fighting relegation. They could be right now at five points. Yes, they'd still be in relegation, but they'd be a lot closer to getting out of it than they are now. And that's really tough for a team that just barely escaped last year. Yep. When uh, when you're fighting for your life, every drop point matters. And uh, for Newcastle... Hey, you know, maybe that was the catalyst to get Newcastle off and running. Um, I wouldn't bet on it, though, yeah. just because they're very newcastle and they've got Steve McLaren managing them. Yeah, that is um, setting up but, for disappointment. Yeah, like you said, man, if it comes down to one or two points into the year, they will rue, and I'm sure if it comes that close, they'll be ruining some other blown opportunities as well. Oh, certainly. Um, well, let's head to some news and notes now as we hop out of the Premier League. Uh, of course, big news coming out as uh, Loretta Lynch has leveled the hammer again. Uh, more corruption news coming out of FIFA, uh, starting with just a day ago, Jack Warner. He he is so high and mighty, Jack Warner, who also, for some reason, decided to respond to uh, last week tonight's John Oliver, 
who was making fun of him. Uh, he has he was the president of CONCACAF, and now he's been banned for life because somebody's got to take the fall. Uh, Warner was, quote, found to have committed many and various acts of misconduct continuously and repeatedly which I thought is the exact same thing, during his time as an official in different high-ranking and influential positions at FIFA and CONCACAF, according to a FIFA statement from BBC Sport. In his positions as football official, he was a key player in schemes, excellent, involving the offer, acceptance, and receipt of undisclosed and illegal payments, as well as other money-making schemes. There's that word again. Uh, Jerome Valky was also suspended uh, amid ticket allegations that we talked about a few weeks ago. He's been officially suspended now, trying to basically skim tickets that he had for the World Cup and selling them for a huge profit. And Wes, this has all led to uh, to more charges and investigation of Sepp Blatter. Uh, the, the noose may be tightening, Wes, and someone who we expect... Maybe some of us dare hope that he'll be gone in February. Could we get an early Christmas present and see him get uh, thrown out of FIFA even earlier, maybe even with a set of handcuffs? Well, no, I mean, if you believe Sepp, he, he knew nothing about this, and he's done nothing wrong. As I believe uh, Roger Bennett said, does he know that uh, bribery and extortion are illegal? He may not. In, in FIFA land... <laughs> That's true. Where he is the king of his fiefdom of FIFA land. Yes. Uh, you know, they may have they may have uh, put it in the bylaws that it's not illegal. That's true. You know, it might just be part of the SOP, standard operating procedure there. Um, obviously, he's a deluded old man who is doing everything in his, in his power to keep his power. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's, he, he's not going to go down without kicking and screaming. Um, it's not going to be a pretty divorce when it happens. Um, but, you know, as long as he can hold on to power, he'll do it because as soon as he relinquishes it, the gravy train is over. Oh, yeah. And, and I want to give a big shout-out. We, we mentioned Loretta Lynch, but one of the huge parts of this story um, is, is, is how good uh, is the, the Swiss are doing with this. Swiss noted for their neutrality – they are really coming out, and they are the ones who are actually opening this criminal inquiry into Sepp Blatter. So good on them for uh, for taking it out. FIFA has noted uh, Blatter would only be suspended if he has uh, if he is indicted. Um, so hopefully that indictment will come soon for Blatter, and maybe we can finally get him out. But uh, that's what's going on right now. Of course, this came just moments before uh, there was supposed to be a press conference that he was going to hold. Then it was delayed, and then it was joyfully canceled because he had to be let out by Swiss authorities. So all the best to you, Bladder, and by best, I mean the worst possible treatment, and hopefully you get, like, a huge criminal per Maybe charge. Maybe you get the Rick Fox treatment, Ed. <laughs> oh, yes, that's something I we... Know, but I wouldn't know anything about that and say anything about that. So. No, you can totally talk about that on a Foreign Affair podcast, which is what this is. Not our sister show or our sister's football game thing that we do. <laughs> so, okay, so Fox is uh, on point here. Yeah, yeah I'd, like to, I'd like to hear about Seth getting a little shower treatment. Ah, oh, we love it here We because we don't love Seth Ladder. Um, speaking of criminal underpinnings, though, what's going on in Barcelona? Barcelona scuffling right now a little bit in La Liga, uh, having tough 
fights in the Champions League group stage. Lionel Messi going down with an injury, but also he's apparently faces fraud from... And Wes, I love this part of the headline. This, this is You can't make this up. He's facing fraud investigation from a Madrid prosecutor because they have, quote, discovered indications of fraud from charity-friendly matches. And, of course, we talked about a few weeks ago how he had gone down to, uh, to do a uh, open a stadium down in a country in Africa. I believe it was Gabon uh, that was under some scrutiny. And now uh, there's a report from the Spanish newspaper El Mundo, a charity that bears Messi's name generating income from two matches in 2012 and 2013, which both figures alleged to be part organized by one of Mexico's largest drug cartels. And I know you knew if anybody was going to take down Lionel Messi, it was going to be people in Madrid, West. Well, I mean, of course, if there were matches in Mexico, they were organized by the drug cartels. Yeah. No one else has money in Mexico yeah. but the drug cartels. That's fairly true. Other than the guy who owns, like, the cell phone dealers, like the cell phone guy. But other than him, I mean, you know... <laughs> I'm sorry, but most every huge deal done in Mexico, somehow, and I'm not even trying to be funny here, somehow the cartel is usually involved because they are big money people down there. Hmm. You know, you need a little financing. You might go to this, uh, you know, you might go to this place to get a loan and the loan is, and you know, the loan office may be backed. One of the owners may be a cartel member. (laughs) There's no, (laughs) I mean, there's no big shock here. Yeah. Um, but that said, as you, as you did mention, of course, this happened to, of all places, this happened to come out of Madrid. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be shot either if someone in Madrid was just trying to twist a knife in him a little bit. Well, especially after this comes. I, I, I never put that past the world media anymore. Oh, of course. And this comes days after uh, his teammate Javier Mascherano was also charged with tax fraud. Of course, Neymar is being charged with uh, improperties and, and fraud in Brazil and had, a, I believe, a Corvette seized. So, good times. And this is something we talked about a little bit when we were doing our football game on Monday Night West. You know, Barca will probably be okay once they get everybody healthy. But but what's the mindset of this team right now? I mean, Neymar has been going kind of crazy. He's been, you know, subject to this investigation. Messi's injured. He's subject to an investigation. Is this something where we kind of saw Real Madrid fall apart last year? It will be for different circumstances, maybe, but I mean, we could see a a bit of a lapse here from Barcelona potentially. We could. Um, God, the one that really just blows me away was um, Neymar's agent coming out and saying that he should quote oh sign for Madrid someday in the future. It's like, yeah. why would you say this out loud? Yeah, I. Who is your agent? You fire him immediately. I mean, now that said, unless this came from Neymar somewhere, I just, I I mean, you know, there, there are certain lines in world football that you just, you know, they're so hard to cross and they're so hard on the player and they're so hard on the fans. You know, I think I, I, I think there's some one of the famous numbers in the Liverpool uh, Manchester United rivalry. I don't believe there's been a player who directly transferred between Liverpool and 
Manchester United since like 1961. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, that's even come up this week where, you know, there's been a rumor in the paper, you know, obviously, obviously it, it's a month that ends in, uh, you know, it's a month that uh, ends in R. So Liverpool <laughs> are connected with new players. Exactly. One of them was Victor Valdez. Because, you know, they now there's a goalkeeper controversy. So, Victor Valdez is connected to Liverpool. And immediately, United's like, no, hell no, absolutely not. Oh, <laughs> you shit. know, we, we, we may sell him, but we will not, as they put it, we will not sell him to a Premier League rival. <laughs> oh, but God. basically, it was, oh, kiss our ass, Liverpool. We wouldn't sell him to you for shit. Yes. And, and that's true. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the ire that Raheem Sterling drew during his transfer saga was suddenly when he said, you know, I would entertain the thought of playing for Manchester United, but I know that I can't, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but you know, you look at something like that or maybe, uh, you know, a few of the squads in Italy, but it has been extremely controversial over the years. If you have left either Barcelona or Madrid to go the other way, Mm -hmm. And, I mean, if Neymar did that... Oh, he'd be reviled. Oh, wow. I mean, he'd be... Cr- especially this day and age, with as much background as there is on Neymar and as controversial as he is somewhat... Oh, yeah. If he left... If he forced a move from Barcelona to Madrid, I don't think he could ever actually go back to Barcelona. He could not play that El Clasico match every no. year. No. <laughs> I don't think they live back in the city. And, and and here's the thing. Here's what would be funny. I don't think Real Madrid fans would ever embrace Neymar. So no, at the I end of the day, so. he would almost be like the man without a country. I mean, we have seen a few players kind of go cross. Uh, and, and you know, I mean, our, our Lord and Savior Zlatan is a man who has played for both sides of that. And, and he's all right, I guess. Well, well no, no he, never, he never played for Madrid. I thought he played for Madrid. No, he, he's never played for Real Madrid. He played for both the Milans. That's right. Maybe he what played I think, for yeah. Inter and AC. That's right. And that was that was controversial. But some, shockingly, those two I don't think are quite as bad about stuff like that because there have been a lot of guys who played for both. Uh-huh. Um, they're not horrible about it for whatever reason. But, you know, if you look at it, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Manchester United, those are just ones where the the hatred is so deeply rooted. Right. That, you know, fans, I mean, fans, like, never really accept, you know, the other guys. I mean, Michael Owen signed with United a few years ago on a free, and that was two clubs since he played for Liverpool. And he was vilified by Liverpool fans. And even though he played for United, United fans never liked Michael Owen. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, it's like I can never imagine Roy Keane playing for Liverpool after he went to United. It would have been heresy. <laughs> yes. You know, Wayne Rooney, you know, he might be able to go back to Everton one day. He would never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, end up playing for Liverpool. No, 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 no. So, um, what did I know, see today just, that he had actually? Um, uh, 
Oh, uh, I was just gonna say, I, I, I had a, I, I had read a story where uh, uh, Rooney had actually been like on a tryout or a practice with uh, Liverpool, and it ended, uh-huh. actually ended up wearing a uh, Everton kit while he did it. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. you know, Rooney's just a motherfucker, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, of course, um, oh, you know, Arsenal and Tottenham are a lot the same way. Yeah, you don't leave Tottenham to go to Arsenal, and if you do, they hate your guts for it, Saul Campbell. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen ever, hardly. So there are just those certain rivalries where you don't cross the line. But the thing is, Madrid and Barcelona are so big and so powerful that they're just there in that ultra-exclusive, like, superpowers uh, group where the really elite players always seem to, if they're bouncing around, they're going between the superpowers. You know, you can go from Barcelona to PSG or Madrid to PSG or PSG to Madrid or to Chelsea, you know, that happens. But when you've got two that are just that big and Uh have that much money to spend, you know, it it just, it makes it really, really difficult on the players. Oh, absolutely. So that's, uh, that's going to have to be, I can't see count nothing out. No, I, he, he would be the Benedict Arnold times 400, I think, if he did that. Um, let's turn our attention now. We, we've put our soccer to the side a little bit. And we do the other big story of the week. Uh, Wes, I actually gave you, excuse me, two articles uh, that we could use for our other big story of the week. Uh, and I'm going to let you pick which one we do. Um, and I'm giving the choice because I know there's one that we couldn't have done last week. Because of reasons, <laughs> but but this week we can do because reasons. So, but I will give you the option. Uh, we can do the one about Millsap College uh, football attendance, or we can do uh, Scott Van Pelt's monologue. Uh, which would you like to do? Uh, well, hold on real quick. Since you didn't send me the rundown until like ten minutes before we went on the air, I've not Shh. actually looked at it. Shh. Um. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, I, 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 I don't really have an opinion on either of these, Ed, because I've not opened or looked at any at either of them. All right. So uh, why don't you just the, this Millsap College? Yes. Just the fact that it's called Millsap sounds interesting to me. That and I don't really want to talk about fantasy football. Oh, we were going to talk about it in a negative light. Um, well, let's talk about Millsap football. It's a cool, it's a cool story. This is we we do a lot of down stories in our other big stories, so I figured we could do something good then. Um, this is Millsap College D three school. Uh, Josh Brooks is uh, is one of the heads there. I believe he's the actually the athletics director, and uh, he he's doing a lot of cool stuff with the student section. It's a very small school. Uh, he's only 35 years old, but uh, you know he's he's had slip and slides in the end zone for the for the students. He's had he's got ordered them pizzas. He actually set up a uh, a beer, uh, I believe it's a beer garden uh, type area, so that uh, people could you know have a beer. You know, even though it's a Methodist college, and you know you you sometimes be a little bit worried about that. Um, and, and even though it's at a college mm-hmm. which is not supposed to be there for college football games but mm-hmm. okay um but i i think it's because it's uh it's sort of a way and it, it is georgia so i mean who really cares um 
but that's what that's what he did. He he uh, had a wooden deck and he turned it into a beer garden. And uh, he he's, he's done a lot of cool things. He he, he said at one at the end here um, of this article. Uh, when asked what he would do if he had an, uh, basically an unlimited budget, he said, I'd build a Ferris wheel in the end zone. Why not have all that stuff? We're in the business of entertaining. And that's something that, that kind of comes through in this article, Wes, is this idea that to be an entertainment experience. I mean, for Christ's sakes, we look at Jerry's World in Dallas, and it's it's not really about the game so much. It's about the experience and what you can do there besides watch football here they're they're trying to you know bring up the experience uh during while you're actually watching the football game you know having bubbles in the student section and soap parties and those kind of things uh having craft beers in your beer garden so kids aren't getting wasted off their butts on um you know just like 90 percent alcohol no, stuff yeah exactly they're 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 you know just having you know having one or two craft beers and, uh, you know, this is, this is the kind of progressive thinking. It's a very cool story. Um, so I just, I'm curious, you, you are a big college football fan. Um, you went, or you have experience at a school that is known to be a bit of a party school. Uh, but this is on a much smaller level. What, what are your thoughts on this? Well, of course, and we both have experience at the Division three level. Yes, unfortunately we do. <sighs> Game on, John Thompson. What you got? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie, and I hope none of our Wesleyan brethren hear this. I hope they're listening to the podcast, but, you know, Wesleyan brethren, turn your ears away from I think you can call. I think you have a license to call them out on the podcast. I mean, I'm sorry. I just, I'm bored to tears by Division Three football. I understand. I, mean, I, I don't want to go too far into it, but, I mean, there's... Oh. Hey, I, hey, you know what? I we we call Division Three football spoiler fans. We we do have yeah. we do call football games sometimes. Um, I have actually called Division Three football games before here. I called Division Three football games my freshman year of college at a Division Three university. So I I am painfully aware, and this was also a team that I did not see win a football game the entire year. So I am painfully aware how bad. Division three football can be at its worst. Um, so I think any opportunity to, to for a guy to come in and try to make the experience a bit more palatable, I guess, is, is really cool. Exactly. And I mean, and I'll tell you this, and I don't know, maybe it's just, I guess when you're at a Division three, now one, one thing about going to college, one part of the college experience is, of course, going to the sporting events, going to the football games. And I guess if I went to a D3 school, I would be super stoked about going to see uh, Huntington and, you know, Mary Baldwin or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, now I, 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 of course, Ed, um, I was never much of a student. So mm. most of my actual, quote, college experience was just spent hanging out yes. at, a couple, at about three or four different universities. Uh, that said, I did my hanging out. At, these these were the colleges I did my hanging out at, folks. Uh, East Carolina, notoriously awesome party school. Uh, NC State, Sausage Fest, but there were a bunch of hot chicks down the street at Meredith, and there were a bunch of hot state girls. Um, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. 
And uh, a little bit here and there, Appalachian State, Western Carolina, UNC Wilmington. Oh, UNC Wilmington. Magnifico. Um, But, you know, at those places, you know, football's big, basketball's big, even baseball, it's big. Um, I guess if I was going to Millsap College, I'd be super stoked to go to the games on Saturdays. But just as a casual outsider to it, you got to give me something to bring me to those games. I mean, Kyle, once again, I'm not trying to hate on Wesleyan because I don't hate Wesleyan by any means. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, you know, you go to them and, okay, first you go to Bishop Stadium, which, hey, what have I got against Bishop Stadium? Nothing. It's where I played all my high school football when I was at Rocky Mountain. Okay, that was our stadium. It was a great stadium. It's a nice stadium. I, th- I think it's probably a nice stadium for a Division Three football team. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you may have seen one or two more than I. Um, you know, no, I've been to a fine. few. I think Wesley is a nice stadium. Yeah. That said, it is a little sterile. It's generic. It is. It's, it's a generic football stadium. To me, there's nothing great to go there to do. Of course, well, every time I went, usually I played or I've announced, so it hadn't been a problem for me. Um, but, you know, if if they are interested in entertainment, and here's the thing, if you want to get more people there, you've got to entertain people nowadays. Oh, yeah. You know, you if, if I'm going to Wesleyan or I'm going to Millsap College and it's 2 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and the Georgia Bulldogs are playing, or, you know, if I'm at Millsap, the Georgia Bulldogs are playing. If I'm at Wesleyan, the East Carolina Pirates are playing. And I can easily get a ticket and head to those games. You've got to show me – you've got to give me something extra to get me to go to the D3 game. Well, and that's and what you – If it's slip and slides, if it's pizza, if it's a beer garden, hey, that's turning my head. So I give that dude – I give him all the props in the world because – to me, Division Three football is a tough. It's a tough sell. Mm-hmm. It's a tough thing to sell. I mean, you're going to get your regular students. You're going to get your, you know, your diehard alumni. But if you're trying to get even, you know, the the casual fan out there, hey man, you know, show me something new. Show me something different. I think in a in a way, it's kind of got to be like minor league baseball to an extent. Now, now, especially in some places, the minor league baseball can actually be very good. Um, and some sure. places, the facilities are just really good. I mean, you go to a Durham Bulls game, and the renovations they've done there are absolutely amazing. First class facilities to the point that if you added, you know, fifteen twenty thousand seats somehow, you could pass it off as a major league stadium, no problem. Yeah. Uh, but but a lot of places they have to do all sorts of promotional nights and all sorts of things to bring in fans because why else would you watch minor league baseball in person? So I, well, I, I completely and agree I'll with tell you this. Yeah. You know, uh, where we are in the Carolina Mudcats are about 35, 40 minutes from us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, the Mudcats, I, let's put it this way. I've been to plenty of Mudcats games over the years since they came when I was about 10 or 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've been to plenty of them. There have been ones where I've gone to see players. Because the Mudcats have a long tradition. I saw Tim Wakefield play minor league baseball. I saw Dontrell Willis, Miguel Cabrera. Uh You know, I saw some really, really top-notch players play there. 
you know, every once in a while, if maybe the one number one prospect in baseball was coming through, me and a few buddies would go to the ball game to watch the, you know, watch this guy play. But you know, and now I have children. I've never taken my kids to a Mudcats game because, oh my God, the Mudcats have won six straight and we need to go to the game. Right. My kids like going to the Mudcats game because the giant catfish rides a four-wheeler. Yes. And then after the game, they can go run around the bases on the field. And then on Saturday nights, we'll go because they've got fireworks. And on Tuesday nights, you can go because they've got dollar beer. Huh? And, and that's exactly what you're talking about. That's marketing. That's how you get the casual fan into the stands. Now, there are people in Zebulon, North Carolina, who have Carolina Mudcat season tickets. Hmm? More power to them. Yeah, and if you're five minutes away, why not? But yeah. Exactly. If you're five minutes away and you've got nothing else to do, go for it. Me, I uh, I don't think it, – it's been a very long time since I've been to more than about one or two games a year with the Mudcats. Mm-hmm. And that's nothing against the product on the field because here's the thing. They can be the best team in minor league baseball. I'm going to see them just as much as if they're the worst team in minor league baseball. Oh, yeah. So, you know – Unless they were the Boston Red Sox organization, which they're not, I have no real need to go. Or unless I happen to know someone who's going to be playing there, like, say, Brian Goodwin or Hobbs Johnson or, um, you know, uh, Benton Moss is coming through town. Right. So um, I just, I, I do, I give this guy, Bill Sub, I give him a lot of credit because, you know, you, you do have to, at, at, at that level, I just feel you do need to create some excitement. Mm hmm. And something to bring in more of the casual fan. I completely agree. And we, speak- just, we just, we just, our our route to get to the final of that discussion, Ed, <laughs> looked a lot like these hurricane maps with Hurricane Joaquin. <laughs> Hold on, sir. Just all over the place. Oh, uh, well. Speaking of great things to watch, let's head watch for right now, Wes. What are you watching in the week that was or the week that will be? And as you mentioned earlier, a lot of our favorite shows coming back mm-hmm. this past Sunday night. We had the season premiere of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. There you go. Of course, as uh, season two ended, uh, Captain, uh, played by Andre Brower, was transferred to the PR department of the uh, NYPD. And Ed, the season ended with a cliffhanger as the elevator doors opened and the new captain stepped out. And we didn't see who it was. Oh, no. So, on Sunday night's premiere, that's exactly where it picks up. And out walks Bill Hader. Oh. <laughs> because why the hell not? Um, Bill Hader uh, was playing. Oh, I cannot even remember the guys. I cannot remember the name he was using at this point. <laughs> but it was a man who was extremely intense, extremely anal, and was obsessed. As he, as he said, he didn't care about people. He cared about numbers. Okay. Always Perfect. great to hear. Um, Bill Hader survived about the first 25 minutes of this episode, had not one but two heart attacks on his first day on the job, oh, and fell dead in the evidence room. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was what? absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, I just, I, 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 I think Brooklyn Nine-Nine is such a funny show. It's smart, but it's also like a little soft. It's sophomoric, but also smart at the same time. Uh Andy Samberg is hilarious. And I never really thought I'd say that because I never thought he was that funny. Oh, yeah, I agree. But, you know, Andy Samberg, Andre Brower, uh, Joe Joe Lotaglio, I believe is how you say his name. That's a good one, too. 
Oh, he's funny. He's just, he's too funny. Um, and then as it ends, uh, the new captain shows up, the new, new captain. And uh, it's the guy from the, um, what was it? The all, not the all state commercials. Uh, the Dennis Haysburg. Dennis Hesburgh. No, 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 not Dennis Hesburgh. Oh, uh, uh, the guy mayhem. from 30 Rock. Yes. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Yes. The mayhem guy. And, yes. and uh, he's actually now a recurring character who was known as the Vulture. And they all hate him even worse than the first captain. <laughs> so um, hilarity will ensue as uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine continues into season three. And I'm excited. And that was my watch for the week. Nice. Uh, I had a couple shows that have come back now. Uh, Once Upon a Time came back this week during our all-new sports show show thing. Um, saw, saw the first episode of season five. Uh Caught up with it on Hulu. Also caught up on Hulu uh, with the season premiere of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Because I love me some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Bobby Morse, as played by Adrian Palicki, looking very nice as a blonde oh, in a love. I love Palicki. Oh, we love Palicki on the show here. Uh, doing a great turn again as Bobby Morse mocking... Uh, anyway. Um, she, she's doing good, and uh, we finally get to see what happened to uh, Simmons. Uh, where she ended up after getting sucked into a giant black obelisk. That is not a euphemism. Uh, we get to see where she ended up, and we get to meet our new bad guy for the season. So a lot of things going on with this group, and uh, we're finally seeing the rise of the Inhumans, all the humans who are who are a little bit genetically mutated to have superpowers. Not unlike men who would start with a certain letter, that Marvel doesn't own movie rights to, that they are finding now a way to get around having them in movies. I don't know what you would call these kind of men. You might find a letter with them. Maybe they would be like R-men or T-men or, or something else. I'm, I'm not sure what letter you could pick there. But uh, great to see uh, Phil Coulson back uh, with a new robotic prosthetic arm. It's it's just great. So that's that's what I've been watching. More shows to come. Uh, as we enter in the fall season. So Wes, with that being said, we saw we saw some people getting bashed. Uh, I actually watched rewatched on Hulu tonight uh, one of the Parks and Rec season seven episodes, and who made an appearance at the end? John Cena. John Cena ends up going into the dunk tank at the end after almost being John, bitten. John John Cena. After almost being bitten by a goliath spider so i think that dovetails nicely into so wrong sean cena ed this week's so raw you know raw right now is in a ooh, not a good place when it comes to the ratings it's been a little widely um talked about around the i guess tv ratings network place um so whenever ratings go down raw seems to get better because they suddenly get to the <laughs> point where like oh crap we're losing the people we've got to try to get them back so raw kicks up a notch and this was a really good raw this weekend <laughs> um we are building we're building toward the hell in a cell pay-per-view which is still a few weeks out but first, we are building toward this Saturday having a uh, a network exclusive special, exclusive big house show um, at Madison Square Garden, which is always pretty much their biggest house shows. Uh, Brock Lesnar 
will be in action against the Big Show. First time we've seen Brock, of course, since his uh, tongue tangle with the Undertaker. Mm. At, a tongue uh, tangle? What is a tongue tangle? Uh, well, excuse me, since SummerSlam. Yeah, SummerSlam. SummerSlam was the last time we've seen Lesnar. Uh, so he is going to be taking on the Big Show. That'll be fun. So we had a little preview of that with uh, our beloved Paul Heyman coming out and cutting another Paul Heyman promo. Um, <clears throat> so that's what we're building up to is this Saturday night. Our show kicked off this week, Ed, with John Cena. Do, 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 do. John Cena um, coming out with his, of course, newly won United States Heavyweight Championship and basically reopening the U.S. Open Challenge which had become one of the most popular segments on Raw uh, back when Cena had the title the first time. Um, up Really up until he started feuding with Kevin Owens, it was a new opponent every week. It was fresh. It was fun. It was some really good matches. Um, so this week he throws down the gauntlet, and Ed, the gauntlet is answered by your absolute favorite wrestling faction, The New Day. Yeah. Kofi who, Kingston. Um, basically, Cena throws down the challenge, and all of a sudden, you hear just the trombone playing. Burr, 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 burr. That's perfect. That's perfect. I, I lost it when I saw it. I just about lost it. It was great. Uh, new Day comes down to the ring. Uh, Big E using his new signature catchphrase and calling John Cena booty. <laughs> okay. John, your matches are booty. <laughs> <laughs> they're so they're, dumb and i love it 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 is it is dumb as crap and it's hilariously dumb these guys are great they 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 have taken what really was a horribly horribly shitty gimmick and, and they these three um biggie uh xavier woods and kofi kingston they have truly turned chicken shit into chicken salad I mean, it is. They have gone from the shit house to the to the damn penthouse, and they are doing a fantastic job. Uh, we turn out we get Xavier Woods versus Cena. Um, they actually have a pretty good match for a while. Uh, Woods is, as you would assume, gets dominated through most of it because Cena's Superman and Woods is just a nerd. Yes. Um, just as Cena's about to beat Xavier Woods, here come Kofi and Big E. They jump John Cena, start beating him down, uh, get the disqualification. Well, then, Ed, out come the Dudleys to make the save. Ooh. And the next thing you know, we're going to have ourselves a six-man tag team match. The only way you can. Uh, so we come out in commercial, have a really have a really good, fun six-man tag. Um, I think who won? Oh, I believe New Day ended up winning, which was, which was cool. You know, got to keep them looking good. Of course. Um, so that, that was our opening segment, uh, just to get to the highlights of the show. Next, we, we went back to our Kane-Seth Rollins storyline. Of course, Ed, a week ago, Kane seemed to be having split personalities where he could not decide if, uh, well, well, basically he was playing the mind games with Seth Rollins, uh, saying he didn't know what Seth Rollins was talking about, that he had been attacked by the demon form of Kane. Of course. Uh, so this week... Um, a representative of WWE HR, her name is Ashley. Ashley was there to observe Kane and to give her findings on Kane. Oh. Seth Rollins was, of course, incensed by this. 
<laughs> and um, basically took every opportunity he could to try to slam Kane behind his back. And then when Ashley decided to, uh, you know, obviously let the audience know of her findings because, you know, privacy and everything. Yeah. Um, she found that Kane was uh, perfectly fit for his job, uh, was one of the most, uh, how does she put it, was one of the kindest and uh, most giving employees at WWE. What? Oh, yeah, it was great. Seth Rollins, of course, snaps, um, just goes crazy. She then tells Seth that he was actually um, the, the whiniest, most narcissistic um, plus, plus, plus at the at the WWE. Wow. Rollins comes into the ring, jumps Kane, starts beating him with a chair. Now, this is, of course, corporate Kane at this point. Of course. So Kane's out there wearing his suit. He's director of operations. And uh, Seth Rollins really took a took a beating to him with the chair. It was it oh was my. a good beat. Um so paramedics come out, they actually wheel Kane out on a stretcher and wheel him into a a waiting ambulance in the back. They're gonna take him off. Uh they were in Buffalo this week. They're gonna take him off obviously to the local medical center. And all of a sudden Ed we see on the Jumbotron that the uh the ambulance has stopped. Oh, no. And they see you know, we see a red light, and then all of a sudden the back of the ambulance explodes open and there's smoke billowing out, and it's Kane in the demon form. It's the demon Kane. Enough. Kane comes out now. Here's here was the kind of funniest part of this whole thing. Uh, the last thing Seth Rollins had done to Kane in the ring was put a chair around his leg and stomp on it, basically simulating you know uh, breaking someone's ankle. Right. Or lower leg. So Demon Kane gets out of the ambulance. He's limping very badly. He stops, slams his uh, slams his foot down onto the uh, concrete floor. And apparently he fixed whatever was wrong because then he started walking normally. Oh, makes sense. Comes down, absolutely annihilates Seth Rollins. Just before he's about to tombstone Rollins, Rollins uh, rolls out of the ring. Leaves his belt in there. Next thing you know, Rollins is going to the back, yelling, yelling from the ramp, and uh, Kane is left holding the championship belt in the middle of the ring. So I do have to believe in Hell in a Cell. We're going to see the Demon Kane versus Seth Rollins because you know Seth Rollins at 28, 29 years old in the absolute prime of his career. We need to let him fight the 40 to 50 crowd. Sure. You know Sting. And now Kane. It's so weird. I, I digress. I digress. It could be an interesting little matchup. I'll give them that. Uh, Raw ended main event of the night, Roman Reigns, who you have incessantly pushed. Oh, I have. Incessantly. You love to push Reigns. You love to push for Reigns. Takes on Bray Wyatt in a one-on-one. This match uh, quickly devolves into just an all-out brawl all around the arena. The highlight of the brawl was when uh, Bray Wyatt picked up one of the tech guys from WWE and used him as a dart and threw him at Roman Reigns. Sure. And it was it was great. Um, now, we'll give him this extremely physical, extremely hard-hitting. You know, obviously, we know what wrestling is. It's, it's predetermined. You know, these guys, they know how to work. They know how to put on a great show. But, you know, every now and then, Edge, you do get that really good match where you know, you almost can let yourself believe that it's real because they're doing such a good job of making it look real. Mm-hmm. 
and this was one of those matches. It was um, very physical, very good. Um, like I said, it, it, it had the symbol, semblance of realism to it. Nice. And at the end of the night, uh, Reigns and Bray just killed each other. It was great. Um, so that sets us up for the uh, special coming up this Saturday night. Um, I believe if, if the, the boy and I are planning to watch it, if we are back from uh, eating shrimp and oysters. Um, so that's where we stand uh, on So Raw this weekend. And that's where we stand on this podcast at the top, at the end, at the summit. And to recap, of course, uh, this podcast that has been presented by NGSC Sports and at NGSCSports.com, we never stop. We're going to have to stop this podcast here in just a few minutes. Uh, we do want to mention, of course, that you can find us on Twitter at AFAPod. You can find you on Twitter, Wes, at... At Wes Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or email us through our all-new sports show linkage. You can also mail us at 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. And, of course, you can also find this podcast on podbean.com, the iTunes Music Store, Stitcher, Spreaker, the TuneIn Radio app, iHeartRadio, and just about anywhere else where you could possibly listen to a podcast. So, Wes, before we get out of here, anything else to add? Uh, we are, of course, on our bye week with high school football and probably could not have asked for a better week to have Oof. a bye week uh, because, as we kind of mentioned earlier, folks, Hurricane Joaquin is right off the uh, eastern seaboard. Um, if we're to believe the European maps... We're going to be okay. We're just going to get rain. If we're to believe the uh, the American maps, uh, we're probably all going to die here on the eastern seaboard. Uh, apparently, from what I find out, though, the European maps are usually much more uh, accurate. Oh. So that's, that's a good thing. Gotta love that's what Europeans. Greg Fischel said. So, I, I mean, I believe him. He's been a giant, nerdy uh, weatherman for like 30-some years. So. Well, there you go. He's, he's trust pretty him. good. Um so, uh, no football game this Friday night. That's good because it's not going to stop raining until Monday. Yay, and then it'll be just amazingly beautiful weather. <sighs> oh, it's going to be great. It's finally going to feel like fall around here. Um, finally feel like football weather on Friday night. And we will get back at it, Edward Green. Yay, I can't wait. Not the good kind of football, but the high school kind of football. But we'll be out well, there. That's, that's, the second, that's the second best kind of football. Better than college? Well, I mean, in our experience, because we enjoy doing our high school better than our college. Well, that's, you know <laughs> what? Fair enough. Can't Fair lie. Can't enough. Can't lie about that, can we? No, we cannot. We can't lie that this is the end of the pod. So for Wes Bradshaw, I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us. Catch us here again next week on whatever you're using to listen to this podcast. We'll see you then for episode 75. For now, though, have a great week, everybody, and go talk to them all the way to the mighty gym of All ten of them. Everybody needs to
listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSE Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSE Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSE Sports. We never stop. 